Hey listeners, a quick note before we get to today's episode. You might hear some faint breathing sounds throughout this episode. I promise Vader isn't actually lurking in every scene. The cat just was sleeping on the table and apparently too close to the microphones. So please excuse our adorable audio error. With a doctor for Laris secured, the crew departs Alderaan for the nearby planet Delea to await the surgery. But even in a peaceful mountain forest, trouble finds Castian. Deep within the Queen's University of Naboo, Rory Campus, lies the small Department of Antiquities. Late at night, when even the harried graduate students have gone home and the janitorial droids have returned to their charging stations, only two souls remain. One, deep in studies in her office. The other, a shadowy interloper. In her office, Professor Nira Sawbright sits at her ancient wooden desk. A dusty book lies open on the desk, while in her lap she makes notes on a data pad. The door to her office creaks open, and something is thrown in. Professor Sawbright reacts without thinking, throwing herself to the ground behind her leather chair, grabbing the blaster holstered under her desk. The office fills with a noxious cloud of gas. Nira Sawbright fires off a few shots with her blaster towards the door, crawling toward a bookshelf. She throws back the rug in front of the shelf, revealing a hidden door and a keypad. Suddenly standing over her is a masked figure. Nira Sawbright leans back to shoot at him again, but her vision is going dark. She misses, a light overhead sparking as the blaster bolt hits it. Good night, Professor. Some time later, Nira Sawbright awakens in an empty room, a single light above her. Her captor stands in the corner, still wearing a mask. Good. You're awake. Drink this. Like hell I will. I have nothing for you. You might as well kill me now. I have no wish to see you come to harm. There is another that I seek. My days of being bait for someone else have long passed. Leave this old woman in peace. Should he come and find you, you will never hear from me again. Now you will read this. If he comes, you will leave, unimpeded. The masked figure hands Nira Sawbright a note to read. What the hell have you done this time, Castian? Read it. After the celebratory nuptials of Varee Orden and Aaron Astor, Riston Astor gave Laris the coordinates on Delea for the landing pad of his private chalet. He's going to be another two to three days behind you because, of course, as we've established, Alderanian celebrations take many, many days, and as the grandfather of the groom, he is expected to be at them. He has given both you, Castian, and Skitter directions on how to continue monitoring Laris's condition, but he says that she should remain stable for the next couple of days, but of course you also have emergency communication abilities should anything arise. Castian makes sure to take careful notes, but it's important to note that this is the doctor's private chalet. He probably has droids around as well, so... After a while, when Castian asks way too many questions, I'm sure the doctor just says, 
the droids will be there to help. And he's like, oh, yes, of course, of course. But say the droids malfunctioned and I suddenly needed to resuscitate her. Could you perhaps walk me through? Speaking of walking, Riston is walking you through something out the door. Okay, they, that's very professional. But honestly, Castian is just trying to be there for Laris while also being a little giddy over spending time with Cerise. But of course, if Riston Astor is busy these next couple days, you can only imagine how busy Cerise is. So you have a couple of days here. While Cerise might be busy, there are, of course, always opportunities for the two of you to steal time together. On the other hand, if you're here, you don't have that droid backup in case something is going wrong with Laris. So do you want to try to steal some extra time away from Cerise or going off to Delea to help Laris convalesce before her surgery? Castine is going to steal some time with Cerise, but that time is only... 10 minutes to say goodbye, because of course, he's going to make sure Laris has the best care she can, and he's going to be there for her. So as long as he can steal 10 minutes away, that'd be good enough for him. The day after the wedding, there is a traditional tea ceremony that is attended only by close members of the family. So while Cerise has to do a lot of hustling and bustling to make sure that there is enough water at the correct temperature for serving the tea to about 50 people because these are very large families. After that, she is explicitly forbidden to be in the main compound because it is a very sacred family rite. So that is the time where you can steal Cerise away momentarily. They end up taking a drive out towards the Howling Gundark as Laris preps it for takeoff. They're going to say goodbye here. And... They are stopping about 50 feet away from the ship and just enjoying the beautiful weather of Alderaan. It's absolutely spectacular. It's a portrait, really. In, in the distance, there are a bunch of nerfs just kind of running around. You see a scruffy-looking and annoyed nerf herder chasing after them, but the nerfs don't care. They enjoy this weather, too. And they're just enjoying the silence before finally Castian says, There are few people that would make me leave your side early. Unfortunately, Laris does need me right now, and... There's nothing unfortunate about helping a friend. True, but... Other it, uh, than, I suppose, the fact that she needs help at all. I'm sorry, that was... Uh, that was un unkind of me to say. Uh, of course I hope that she is, is going to be well, and I know you're going to do everything you can. Castian leans forward and kisses her, silencing her. He, he knows Cerise, this is ramble mode, and they enjoy a kiss before finally parting. And they press their foreheads together, and Castian says, in a very cool and comfortable tone, I will be back, but in the meantime, I know you will keep my heart safe, and I will keep you close to me as well. I don't know when I get to see you again. I know after this, I definitely need to leave Alderaan, but I'll make sure to send you a message before we depart Delea, and we will figure out this whole relationship. We will. Do the Jedi have any words of wisdom to make parting easier? Castium chuckles before mumbling, I really need to get better at this Jedi thing. I don't think so, or perhaps they do, but I think the best thing that I can do is to take a note from my father. Whenever you depart, make sure to leave them something so they know you'll come back. He liked giving gifts. And Castian reaches under the seat of the landspeeder and pulls out a wooden case and hands it to her. She opens it. And inside, there's an ornate comb set, or hair comb set, 
And Castian says, you're part of Alderaan now, and I know they like to do very interesting things with their hair, so I was told it's customary to have your own set, and I don't know if you already had your own set, so... But this is very expensive, so I, it, I can only imagine it makes me a very good boyfriend. It does. Thank you. I love you, Cerise. I love you. And he kisses her, once on the lips, and then again on the forehead, and then he just hops out of her land speeder and says, Enjoy the wedding! When do they go on their honeymoon? In a week. They are going to actually stop by uh, Ristinaster's chalet on Delea. Well, if I'm there and you somehow smuggle your way aboard, I uh, I will meet you on Delea. Perhaps we will. Perhaps we will. And then Castian's going to depart, heading off towards the ramp, and turns and gives one final wave towards Cerise. And then he's heading up the ramp. Where Skitter is waiting for you. Very good, sir. I was getting worried that you were going to miss our launch time. You weren't going to leave without me. There's only two people on the ship. Ahem, sir. I'm so sorry. Three. I forgot Bone. You're right. How rude of me. And he just keeps on walking past, heading towards the bridge. Laris. Yes, sir. Bone is supposed to be the one flying. You need to relax. I am relaxed when I am on my bridge. Okay, but Bone is the one taking control. You just sit there... Can I get you anything? A uh, a drink? A beverage? No, thank you. All right. And then Castian's going to take his seat, and it's going to be, hopefully, a smooth departure. For the Howling Gundark, it is absolutely a smooth departure because, of course, Bone is an expert pilot, especially under the tutelage and observation of Laris. For that poor nerf herder down below, absolutely not smooth. The nerfs are very agitated. Castian is sitting back and he's trying to look like he's reading a data pad, but in truth, he keeps on flicking his eyes towards Laris. Uh, they haven't really spoken about what her decision is going to be about this whole surgery, and he doesn't know if he should ask if she's made a decision or, again, debate what he thinks she should do or not. So right now, he's just kind of just watching her and not being so subtle about it. So there are multiple medical systems that are set up in order to alert you if there is a change in my status. I do not require constant observation. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, um, there was some unanswered questions uh, when I left you with Mr. Astor, and I was wondering how your evening went with him. It was a private moment between patient and doctor. Do you wish to describe your evening with Cerise Nabella? It was a private moment between two consenting adults. Very well, I'll be in my room, Castian says as he stands up and moves towards the door. He stops before he leaves and turns back towards her. Whatever you decide, I will support whatever you decide. Um, mm. Just alert me when uh, we get there, Bone. It shouldn't take that long. And he heads off towards his room. The journey from Alderaan to Delea is incredibly short. These are two planets within the same system. They're actually the neighboring planets. So since it's so close, you don't even jump into hyperspace. It's about an hour and a half, two hours journey from the time that you lift off on Alderaan until you input the coordinates for the chalet's landing pad on Delea. Now, Alderaan is known as a peaceful planet with millions of miles of pristine, untouched wilderness between its cities. However... The only way that you can have an industrial society like Alderaan has is to have industry, which Alderaan doesn't seem to have anywhere. They've solved that issue by essentially outsourcing all of their industry to their sister planet, Delea. 
So in Delea, they have created a world that has large urban areas with factories and warehouses all producing goods to supplement Alderaan's luxurious lifestyle. But between those urban outposts are still dense, old-growth forests where the elite can live in relative isolation. Riston Aster's compound is deep in the forest, the only sign of civilization for miles as the Howling Gundark makes its descent into the Delean forest. A landing pad sits in the open next to a large, imposing wooden house with a pointed roof and wide eaves overhanging tall windows. By the time you arrive, you estimate it's going to be another day or so before Riston Aster follows you. Cassian enters the bridge just as Bone sets down on the landing pad, and he claps his hands and looks towards Laris. So, what's the plan? Do we just get you all set up in one of the rooms? Essentially, yes. All right, um, well, I packed my overnight bag. I, I'm, I'm sure you already have yours prepared as well. Laris reaches down next to the captain's chair and pats the bag that has been sitting there for the whole trip. Of course, sir. Good, good. Well, um, everybody, I suppose uh, let's, uh, let's relax and enjoy ourselves. It's been a while since we've gotten to, um... Okay, I think I need to make a rule. No Black Sun, no Imperials... And no huts this entire trip. Let's just have a very relaxing, non-stressful time. I, I think we all can agree that's, that is something we deserve. Aside from a few Imperial barracks, there are no records of any of those organizations having a large presence on Delea. Then I suppose this will be an easy mission for us to accomplish. So let's all, everybody out, everybody out. Um, Skidder, would you like to also join us outside in the chalet? Skitter comes up to you, and in one of his mandibles, he has a pole, and at the end, there is a rucksack. Indeed, sir. I am packed and ready for our journey. Wow, that's so inefficient, he says as he just walks by Skitter. And the four of them leave the ship. They're heading off towards the chalet. Does anybody greet them as they exit the ship's ramp? No, this landing pad is completely automated, not with actual droids, it's just all computerized. So you were given your clearance to land through the algorithms of the computer, and the landing pad itself can do some basic analysis on the ship. There is an automatic refueling station, so everything is set up to happen with as little human or droid contact as possible. And Riston had explained to you and Laris that he lives completely alone in this chalet. It is a very large chalet for just one person to live in, but so goes the lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? He does have some droids inside, as you mentioned, both medical and housekeeping type of droids, but otherwise he likes to have a very solitary existence at this point. Bone whistles at you. Yes, uh, it is a little bit airy, not having a large collection of droids, but it really does make sense. Well, Ristin is former Imperial, as former as one can get with his station, so he doesn't like having people around him that could be spies, and droids can easily be manipulated or sliced by the Empire. I'm sure you'll be fine, but no, this, is, this actually makes a lot of sense. He's using computers than a droid brain. So don't worry, relax, and we are entering the abode. The exterior of the chalet is very rustic. Inside, however, it's extremely modern and sleek. You definitely see a remnant of his life in the Empire, specifically the Imperial Navy, in the decorating scheme inside because it is all those sleek white panels with black and chrome detailing. It is like being inside of a Star Destroyer. Everybody make sure to remove your boots before we enter. 
I would hate to get court-martialed. As soon as you do walk in and everybody, well, you and Laris, because neither Bone nor Skinner wear boots, when you do take off of your boots, of course, a few pieces of detritus, dirt, and pine needles fall off of your shoes, and immediately a little mouse janitorial droid comes out from the wall, vacuums everything up, and then disappears back into the wall. If you hadn't seen where the droid came from, you wouldn't have known there was a droid alcove there. I'm impressed. Uh, first things first, Castian's going to lead Laris towards where he was told to take her. The chalet has two floors that Ristin walked you through. There is this main floor that is the, the living areas. It's the kitchen and the dining room and a seating area and a breakfast nook and uh, an office, those sorts of things. And then there is a second floor where you have the bedrooms, which is where he directed you to take Laris. The one thing that he didn't mention when he was giving you the layout, because it also included things like here is the kitchen and here is how you can get refreshments and here's where the refresher is. In the kitchen, the one thing that mars this white, black, and chrome aesthetic that is going on is a large, heavy steel door with a touchpad lock. I don't know what it is, Bone. We're not slicing it. Just leave it alone. It's fine. It's it's fine. Castian eyes it dubiously, but, you know, uh, he's not here to look up the man's secrets. He doesn't want to do anything that would jeopardize Laris. So as long as Laris is not curious and telling him to do it, he's going to play things as a professional. Castian is a professional. And because Laris is a professional and doesn't have the instinct to gawk, She's actually gone upstairs on her own, and she has found the room that has been assigned to her. This room is an interesting clash between that imperial aesthetic and the more homey touches that obviously Delea architecture is going for in terms of these chalets. So the walls are stark white, and then there's pretty floral curtains over the windows and that sort of thing. Laris has set down her bag on top of the dresser, and she has opened up the top drawer to put in her two pieces of clothing that she brought along. And she also has moved to the wall where she has started accessing some, again, very cleverly hidden control panels that is accessing the medical equipment and devices and monitors that Rist and Aster told both of you about. Seeing that she seems to have things handled, Castian's going to walk into his own room. It's smaller than Laris's, and he's also going to unpack, which for Castian is pretty much he tosses his backpack onto the bed. It goes a little further than it needs to, so it falls off, lands on the floor, and he leaves it there. And then he comes back to Laris's room. All right, I suppose, um, I guess I'm making dinner. After dinner, you still have a good half a day until Riston Aster is going to arrive. Is there anything specific you want to accomplish before he comes back? Yeah, he's going to make sure he's in communication distance. So he's only going to walk probably about a half a kilometer out into the woods. And he finds a nice brook. There's a stone kind of in the middle of it, so he kind of sits right in the middle of it. And he's just going to be focusing on meditations, his emotions, just trying to basically evaluate how he's feeling right now. As a Jedi, he should not have emotions, but he definitely is breaking that pact with Cerise Nobella. He doesn't know what that means, though. So right now, he's just focusing on his breathing. And meditation is not Castian's strong point. It, honestly, dialogue is. 
So after about 30 minutes of silence, he lets out a breath and he just asks the brook, What am I doing? The problem is, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to be a Jedi and then I immediately throw a very strong tenant away because I want to play house. No, it's not playhouse. It's it's something more than that. Cerise Nabella is something more than that. But is that the dark side speaking? I just... Ha ha My goodness, I have quite the retinue of individuals I can call upon. Madonin. Kida. The dark woman. I don't know what to do. But maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to travel and figure that out. I just... If you can give me a sign that I'm not stepping towards the dark side and making a huge mistake, I'd really appreciate it. Whether it's because the people that you called upon don't care, or don't have an answer, or think you already know the answer yourself, no sign appears immediately. I'm about to count that bird song as a sign of you being very pro me doing whatever I want, so Castian smirks a little bit, stands up, pulls out a few stones, and skips them across the brook before hopscotching across stones to get back to the shore. And then he's going to be heading back towards the chalet. This was just him kind of centering himself, getting himself ready. It's shortly after midday when Riston Aster arrives. He has a land speeder that's a bit more rugged than the ones that you usually see. It's obviously been adapted to deal with the vast changes in elevation that occur between the nearest population center, where most space traffic comes through, and coming out here to his private chalet. Oh, and since we used the landing pad, he had no place to land. Correct. He's also, you kind of got the feeling of this on Alderaan, despite the ostentatious place that he lives in, he's a little bit of a penny pincher. So hmm. why spend the money on having his own private transport between Alderaan and Delea when there are perfectly serviceable shuttle services? Where are you waiting? It's midday. Are you having a meal with Laris? Absolutely. Castian made some sort of soup for Laris and himself, and they're just sitting at the table eating when Riston arrives. Riston strolls in like he owns the joint, because he does, and at first makes no indication that you are there. He is a man of systems and routine, and he is going to follow that routine as he comes in. So he walks in the front door, he takes off his boots, he actually does pause to acknowledge the mouse droid that comes out with a little pat on the head, and it gives a happy little chirp. He hangs up his coat, he places his bag on the table, and then finally he turns to acknowledge you and Laris. I hope uh, everything went well with the wedding. Of course it did. Would you like some soup? Castian says as he holds up like a dish. No, I am fine. Delightful. Well, uh, Laris and I, uh, nothing, nothing to report here. You have a very lovely home. It is adequate. Very well. Should we not have been eating at this point? I know Laris needs to prepare for surgery, but I mean, I mean it, we weren't sure when you were arriving home. Did I give you instructions that she was to limit her food intake? Castian just shoves some food into his mouth and looks away and says, no, you do not. He doesn't like Riston. I mean, he respects Riston, but out of everybody in this room, Castian knows that he is by far 
the stupidest person here by leaps and bounds. I mean, Laris literally has a cybernetic to make her intelligence ridiculous and just rest in went to the best schools, went to the best academies, had one of the best and lucrative academic careers out there. So Castian knows he's stupid. And the worst thing is they know he's stupid. So he just feels like they're talking down to him the entire time. So he's just like, no, no, you did not. He turns to address Laris. Captain, have you made a decision regarding your treatment? I have. And then Laris looks to you with an uncharacteristic expression of reticence on her face before she looks back at Riston. I have elected to have the sentiment suppression subprocessor removed. Removed? Castian takes a deep breath, as if trying to hold back his elation over her decision. And then he catches himself and says, of course, go on, go on. Excellent, Riston says. Of course, either way you decided, but especially this way, it is going to be a long procedure with an extended convalescent period afterwards. You will have to remain at the chalet for at minimum a week, possibly more, for recovery and observation. Is that acceptable to both of you? Of course. Uh, yes, whatever she needs from me and whatever I can do to help you out, of course. Um, and he gets a look from Riston. And before he can say something snooty, he says, picking up groceries or anything of that nature, I'd be happy to help. Indeed. Both of you follow me. We will need to take initial readings and measurements to prepare for tomorrow's surgery. And he walks directly to that large steel door and inputs a code on the keypad. When the door slides into the wall, it reveals a dark staircase going downstairs. Castian looks towards Bone, who gives him a very low whistle, and he says, It's fine. I know this is how the trouble in Gamorian Gambit started, but that's fiction. This is reality, he says as he heads down the stairs with Riston and Laris. Each step on the stairs triggers the lights to illuminate going downstairs, each with a, a flicker or a pop. Showing that the stairs are, of course, the same shiny chrome as the accents all throughout the rest of the chalet. When you get downstairs, it's a couple degrees cooler than it was upstairs, and you realize that this part of the chalet must be built deep into the mountain itself. And down here, it is a pristine medical facility. While there were some medical accoutrements up in Laris's room, they were obviously supplementary, a place for patients to rest and recover in comfort. Down here, there's no mistaking the tools and the setup for anything other than a medical facility. Or perhaps a torture chamber? I mean, the line is very thin between medicine and torture. Castian looks around before asking, I'm grateful that you have all this, but why do you have all this? Seems like, uh, I know you are a man of science, but do you usually get patients coming out to the middle of the forest seeking aid? Is the answer to that question relevant to your friend's needs? No, it's not, Castian says as he looks away, realizing once again, proving his stupidity. And Riston presses you into service as an ad hoc nurse's assistant taking notes of the myriad measurements that he's taking on Laris. Everything from blood pressure and oxygen saturation to the radius of her skull. He's having you take copious notes. And it's very difficult to read him, but it sounds like he's not concerned about anything that he's finding on Laris's exam. Castian follows him, trying to be as helpful as he can. Heck, Castian's probably not worked on his penmanship this hard since his time in the Inquisitorius. Let's have a little bit of fun and get a dice roll in here, just because you have underscored 
how outclassed you are by both Riston and Laris. I think we need an education check here to see how well you are doing at keeping up with his constant demands and readouts of information. What's the difficulty? I'm just going to make this average difficulty. I already mentioned how hard Castian was concentrating, so I feel obligated to spend a destiny point to upgrade one of my dice. I got one success and one threat. I'm just going to bank that threat for now, because this wasn't a terribly challenging task. It may have felt like it in the moment to Castian, but actually Riston is trying to dumb down some of what he's saying. If he were in an actual medical facility, this is not the language he'd be using, as he would normally be speaking in a much techier jargon, but he understands that he's working with a layman, so he is helping you along even if it doesn't feel like it. So you absolutely are able to make notes of the correct readings, and there's going to be no trouble, at least from your notes, for Laris's surgery the next morning. At the end of his exam, Riston demands to see your notes. Castian hands over his notes. Riston looks at them and declares them adequate. Thank you. Castian nods his head and then sets down the notes wherever he wants them. There is nothing further I need from either of you this evening. Captain, we shall commence with the surgery at 0900 hours sharp tomorrow. Fantastic. Um, I will be here if you need me, any of you. And Castian is going to head up the stairs. And then he's going to wait for Laris to exit. And she does just a moment after you do. Uh, is Riston with her? No. Hey, hey, I just wanted to um, just see if you needed to talk. I know that this was a, uh, d- a tough decision. And uh, I- I'm, I'm glad that you were able to make it. I see no need for further discussion. The decision has been made. Uh, absolutely. I'll leave you be for the rest of the day so you can uh, prepare any way you like. If you need anything, I'm just a, uh, a call away. Of course, sir. Thank you. And Castian's going to head to his room. He's going to first try to reach Cerise Nabella. Probably not going to get a hold of her. And after that, he is going to head on outside again. This is a beautiful forest. Why not utilize that? And he's going to work on meditation and read from Kida's journal. Despite being only a couple of meters away from the giant imposing chalet, once you step into this heavily wooded, as I said, old growth forest, it is almost like you are back on the planet with the Dark Woman. It is possible to completely shut out any and all signs of civilization. So all you hear is the babbling of the brook, the calling of the birds, the breeze through the trees, the crunching of leaves under feet coming up to you. Well, Castian is going to spin towards the crunching of leaves, his hand dropping to his blaster hanging from his belt. And you see, picking her way carefully through the thick underbrush, a Nautilin woman steps into the clearing with you. She is holding an ornate cane in one hand and is otherwise unarmed. She wears loose-fitting pants and a flowing tunic made of silk with fine embroidery at the hems and cuffs. Her green skin is mottled with old scars and burns. Castian waits 10, 20 seconds for her to speak. She says nothing. I believe this is private property. Ma'am, are you, are you lost? No. For someone who is so thoroughly scarred, her voice is very quiet, and even in just that one word, is melodious. I see. Can I help you? 
Indeed, I believe you can. You are the one referred to as Castian Saya, are you not? Castian immediately draws his blaster and aims it at her. Are you black, son? She does not flinch when you pull out the blaster. Nira Sawbright has a message for you. Nira Sawbright? And the woman taps the ground twice with her cane, and from the ornate head of the cane, a hollow projector emerges. A small recorded hologram of Nira Sawbright is projected on the ground. She's only a couple of inches tall. Nira Sawbright is sitting in a chair in the hologram and looks to have her arms bound behind her. Castian, you idiot. I don't know what you did, but I've been kidnapped and as one demand as you come to Vaudran. Exact coordinates are embedded in this message. Come alone, etc., etc. I am not ready to die for your sorry self, so do what he says. And the Nautilin woman taps her cane twice again, and the hollow projection goes away. Castian is stunned for a half a second before his face twists into anger, and he moves towards the Nautilin woman, his blaster locked onto her. What do you want with Nerisol Bright? Why do you want me? The woman looks at you with compassion. She's not intimidated by you. In fact, she empathizes with you. All I wish is for Nira Sawbright to be returned, safely. I have nothing to do with her kidnapping. I am merely the messenger. Castian puts two and two together and says, Ah, Nira Sawbright probably sent that message to a few of her messenger boys and girls. You're just the one that happened to find me. Correct. She always seems to be able to find me more so than a lot of other people with a lot more backing. Many of the other people, I've come to understand, who are looking for you, they operate out of a place of intimidation, seeking to place fear into people in order to coerce them into assisting them. Nira Sawbright has learned, as I do believe they say here on Delea, that it is easier to catch flies with honey than with vinegar. I see. Castian is going to cast one last glance around his surroundings to make sure that this woman doesn't have somebody watching her back. She is completely and utterly alone. In fact, you're not even sure how she got here. She came from deep within the forest, where you know from when you were flying in, actually leads towards a huge crevice in the mountains. Castian is going to holster his blaster pistol, and then he's going to walk up to her and pulls out his data pad. Send me the message. Of course. And she holds up her cane and taps it to your data pad. Do I have a time limit? It is imperative that you act as quickly as possible. While we were given no specific time limit, the implication is certainly that whoever this is does not have very much patience. And she smiles slightly. In that, perhaps Nira and her captor have much in common. And she gives a little giggle. Castian again narrows his eyes before saying, And you have no idea who took her, but this person apparently is asking for me by this name. Indeed. Nothing else you can give me? No, I am afraid not. That is the only message that was broadcast. And we are sure she is missing? Correct. There were signs of a struggle at the university. Do you have perhaps the investigation notes of her office that I can look over? I, I want to 
see if I could figure out what was used. If it was a specific weapon that might have been used to steal her away. Unfortunately, all of the notes were destroyed. It seems that the university wants to keep any news of this completely under wraps. They are trusting that Nira Sawbright will either rescue herself, or this will all blow over and she will be erased from memory. They have done it before, of course. And I thought the Imperial Navy was difficult. All right. I will look into this, okay? I need to do something first, but I will head out immediately. And I'm supposed to go alone, so I suppose this is where we depart. Indeed it is. Thank you very much, Miss... Roost. Izel Roost. Izel Roost. Well, there's no denying it. Castian Sire. But uh, I'd prefer if you uh, use what Nira Solbright called me. Gorin. Of course, Gorin. It has been my pleasure. Have a pleasant trip back home. Wherever that may be. And with that, Castian's going to walk past her. And he's heading back towards the house. And he's just mumbling. This was not the sign I was looking for, Madonin. But message received. And he's heading into the chalet. Once he's inside, he's looking towards Bone and says, Get to the ship. I need you to prep it. He beeps at you curiously. Just... Here, this will explain everything, and Castian is going to send him the file. Bone gives a low whistle. Yes, I know. Uh, see what you can find out about those coordinates, and I will be back. I need to speak of Laris. Castian is going to move towards Laris's room and knock on it, trying not to sound urgent, but probably failing at that. Enter. When you enter the room, Laris is sitting on her bed in almost a mockery of relaxing where other people would be, you know, laid back, have a couple of pillows propping them up, maybe their feet crossed or or otherwise looking relaxed, Laris is sitting bolt upright at the edge of her bed with a book in her lap. Yes, hi. I know I said I'd leave you alone until you summoned me, but it seems an old friend found us out here. Who is that? One of Nero Solbright's messengers. Let me just show you this. And Cassian plays the datapad for her. And the message replays for her. Castian looks towards Laris. It is apparent that you must go. I promised you I would be here during your surgery. I I can wait a few days for this to... Is there anything you can do to assist during the surgery? Yes, I'll be there as an emotional guardian or whatever you want to call it. I will be under sedation during surgery. I have no need for an emotional guardian. So you're going to be fine if I... Head off and do this. Of course. I have Bone already prepping the ship, and uh, I believe this is in. He looks towards the planet and taps away at his data pad just to pull up whatever he can on it. Just something that he can find quick. Do, do I know how far this planet is or what sector it would be in or who owns the sector? Is it a hidden planet? A quick search only reveals that it is deep in hut space. Hut space. That's not not close, but it's not too far. It is also in direct contradiction of your stated mission when we arrived on this planet. No huts, I know, I know, but I should have said no academics, but apparently they're just as cutthroat as everyone. This is going to take me a couple days to fly out. I will find her quickly, I will get her free and give her enough coin to get back to Rory, and then I will be back on my way here. Uh, He said you're going to be out for at least a week, maybe more? Correct, in terms of recovery. And you will be fine with me leaving you on your own? Of course, sir. I am going to leave Skitter here. 
He he would hate leaving your side, regardless. And I all I need is Bone. Bone is your emotional support companion. And I suppose uh, uh, Skidder will be yours, for a short time being. I'll be back to take over and do it right. I'm kidding. He'll, I'm sure he'll do fine, but don't tell him I said that. I will look forward to your return, Castian. He reaches out and he just grabs her shoulder and gives it a, a, a quick squeeze. I'll be back. And then we will deal with this together. And he stands up and he's immediately going to head towards his room, grab his luggage, and then he's heading towards the Howling Gundark. Castian heads into the bridge and looks towards Bone. All right, we're leaving immediately. Well, you heard the lady. Apparently, we have a guest waiting for us on Voldren. Let's head on out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Soloshot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.